some, do some deep dives into the words, what the words mean. But, but Ephesians 1, I, I think when you're going into the kingdom of God, is very powerful because, because Paul writes that, we, that our eyes would be enlightened, the eyes of our heart would be enlightened, that we would know the hope of His calling and the riches of the glory of His inheritance in the saints. And, and, and this, folks, I'm afraid a lot of Christians don't even know this. They don't know the hope of His calling. They don't know the riches of the inheritance of, of His glory in, in the saints. And what the exceeding greatness of His power to us were who believe, according to the working of His, of his strength of His might, which He wrought in Christ, when did He... When he raised him from the dead, this was to us who believe. This, this this is something to get a hold of. What God worked in Christ was to a people that believed. Amen. See, I've said for years, Christ didn't need to die for himself. Jesus was already God. Any way you slice it, and I'm not going to go down uh, that avenue this morning, but any way you slice it, He was already God. He had no need to die for Himself. So it was toward us that belief. So the work which He wrought in Christ, it's what wrought means, a work, Strength of His might, which He wrought or worked or completed in Christ to be active, efficient, do effectual, be mighty in, show forth self-work. That's what the word means. So, so He did a work in Christ when He raised Him from the dead and set Him at His own right hand in the heavenly place or in the heavenly places in the heavenly realm. Far above all principality. So, so we dealt with this a few weeks back. He's above all... How much principality is He above? All. all. So, so we, don't, we may not understand principalities, but He's above them, and power, and might, and dominion. So He's above all dominion. Every name that is named, not only in this world, but also in that which is to come. And that word world, there's actually age. Not only in this age, but also in the, age, in the coming age. And He put all things under His feet and gave Him to be the head over all things to the church, which is His body, the fullness of Him that fills all in all. Now, if you took this and went right in into chapter 2 and read it together, it would probably read a whole lot different than we have it read, right? Because we're, we're reading that He's made head to the church. And then He starts in chapter 2 as a letter, and, and you, did He make alive? Or you could just read it. And you, when you were dead through your trespasses and sins, wherein you once walked according to the course of this world, according to the prince of the power of the air, the spirit that now worketh in the sons of disobedience among whom we also lived in the lust of our flesh, doing the desires of the flesh and the mind, and were by nature the children of wrath, even as the rest. But God, being rich in His mercy, for His great love wherewith He loved us. See, again, that work of the cross was toward us 
that believe. And, and Ephesians 2 is really just continuing on. That, that before you received Him or believed into Him, you were dead through trespasses and sins. So you, that was the condition that we were in through trespasses and sins. And really... Really, it's jumping in me, and I don't, I don't have the Scripture before me right now, and somebody can find it in the book of Romans. It says, Through one man's disobedience were many made sinners. So Romans 5, and we'll, we'll get there uh, maybe later on. But one man's disobedience. So, so we have one man... And you were dead through trespassing sins through one man's disobedience. Now, get, keep this in mind what we just read in Ephesians 1, that it's toward us, the work He, he did in Christ is toward us who believe. Amen. So through one man's obedience yes, sir. were many made righteous. So you have one man's disobedience. Many were made sinners, Romans 5.12. And through one man's obedience, many are made righteous. So, so we walked according to the course of this world. The course of this world was that all were sinners. That was the arrangement, the course of the world, the orderly arrangement was that all was dead in sin. Okay? Now, you're not under that rule. You're not under that authority. You're now under the authority of Jesus Christ. And His name is above, Ephesians said, every name, all principality, all power, all dominion. So, so we come to a dominion, another dominion. But see, Christians don't understand that. You, you know, we read Scriptures like you've been translated out of the kingdom of darkness into the kingdom of His dear Son. But, but in, our, in our minds, we're still subject to the kingdom of darkness. This, this thing has been made evident to me that Christians really, when you talk about, like Jesus, I said this last week, come unto me all you that labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn of me, and I will give you rest to your soul. I said, well, how many have you got rest? Yeah. How many walk? Jesus said you have rest. Right? Twist it. He said, Come to me and you will have rest. Amen. Is that not what he said? But are you walking in rest? And if you're not walking in rest, you got a problem. Because the Lord said you would have rest. So now you have to diagnose the problem. Like a doctor. Doctor's going to diagnose the situation. So, so you have to get in and understand, why do I not have rest? 
Why? Jesus said I would. So why don't I? Have you ever asked that? Have you ever sat down with the Lord and really said, Lord Jesus, You said I'd have rest. Now why don't I? Now maybe I'll get into my lesson and maybe I won't. Okay, we'll see. Why don't I have rest? Why is rest beyond me? And he told you, he told you the answer. He said, learn of me. And you'll find rest to your souls. That's, that's why you don't. Because you haven't learned of Him. That's the answer. The answer. He, he gave you the answer. See, see, as we look at some of these things, Jesus said, those that continue in My Word, they are My disciples indeed. He didn't say they that start in His Word. He said, those that continue. That's what he said. So, what does it mean, continue in His Word? It means continue to learn Him through the Word. So, if I don't give myself to know Him, I will not know rest. Rest is a measurement of knowing the Lord. And there's really not another prescription for it. See, see, there's not ten things I could teach you to find rest. See, but, but that's kind of that's how our minds like to, like to be dealt with. Give me the ten things I have to do, and they were called the Ten Commandments, and that didn't work. Okay? So give me the ten things I have to do to find rest. But Jesus simplified the whole thing and said, just come to me. Take my yoke upon you and learn of me. For my yoke is easy and my burden light, and you will find rest to your soul. So you find rest through learning of Him and His work. Because when you learn of Him, you learn of His work. Well, if I don't really understand His work, then I don't find rest because I don't understand what He did. I don't understand the cross. I don't understand Ephesians 1, what God worked in Christ when He raised Him from the dead. I read that, but I don't understand it. So I don't have I don't have the impact of what Ephesians one says going on inside of me. It's words on a book, but it's not real in my heart. Amen. And there's and there's a difference in reading words on a book and saying this is what the Bible says than the word of God being real in your heart. There's a very very big difference. Yes, sir. Because I can read the book. And tell you, well, the Bible says this. But that ain't real in my heart. See, 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 that's where God is working to bring us, is to a place of, of reality. A place where His work is real with me. See, for too long we thought His work's just real with Him. But it was toward a people who believe 
of his work. And that's just not a mouth witness, but they would witness his work inside of them. And speak out of the reality of his work. That, that, That would be what they do. There will be a people who have the work of God in them and living out of the reality of the work of God. That's truly what salvation is. It's the work of God. Salvation is the work of God. It's not our works. It's not our works. We can read that in Ephesians 2. It's not our works lest any man boast. And see, people have taken that and they misconstrued it. That well, you don't do anything. You and and what they're saying is you don't even have to. You you know, believe it's just unto all men. It's to us. Paul made it plain who believe, because we access his work through faith in his work. So if I don't have faith in his work, although he did it for every man. I don't access it. So so the way I access it is I believe unto Him. But if I don't believe unto Him, well, how? I said this last week. It's like like you deal with people who have not been born again, they don't believe it, and nothing happens. Then you you come on a little bit further and you get filled with the Holy Ghost. You go tell your friends in other groups, and they don't believe it. Guess what? They don't receive it. They don't receive it. Nothing happens. Okay. Then you come into the revelation of Christ. You go tell the the ones you were with. They don't believe it. And guess what? They don't come. Nothing happens because there's the action on your part is believing Him. That's the action on your part. Now, He does the work. But eventually, you enter into His work. And that, and that, and that in Hebrews 3 and 4 is, is extremely powerful. I don't want to get, get back into that today. I did that a few weeks ago. And Hebrews 3 and 4 is extremely powerful because, because the writer there is dealing with the people that have moved from their works to His. That's what they're dealing with. They moved out from their own works, which would be works of the law, trying to earn it, to receiving the work He did and living in His work. See, so you come to live there. And, that, and that's what, you, you know, people don't understand. It's toward us who believe. So, so now you, you set up a king that's above every principality, power, name, dominion. So, so you're now encountering the one. He's above it all. So as you start looking at the kingdom of God, and you can say, well, look at this in the world. Don't look at this in the world. <laughs> look at the king. That you're... Involved with. See, the problem is, we don't want to look at him that we're involved with. We want to look at the world. It's really, it's really, 
an issue. Now, I want to go to Matthew 6. I've got to get out of this or I won't leave here. Matthew 6. And let's we'll start verse 1. We're going to read a couple different places in regards to the kingdom. We're going to read several places in regards to the kingdom. I have to watch the time because I've already been 22 minutes. So we're going to be, we're going to be 60 minutes today, okay? Give or take. Matthew 6, there's just a few of us. All you are mature or been around me for a while. Whether you're mature or not, you've been around me for a while. So... Take heed that you do not your righteousness before men to be seen of them, else you have no reward with your Father who is in heaven. When therefore thou doest alms, sound not a trumpet before thee, as the hypocrites do in the synagogues and in the streets, that they may have glory of men. Verily I say unto you, they have received the reward. The reward is the glory of men. But then thou doest alms, let not thy left hand know what thy right hand doeth, that thine alms may be in secret, and thy Father who sees in secret shall recompense thee or reward thee. So whatever you do, he's saying don't do it to be seen of men. Because he's dealing with Pharisees and the Sadducees and the hypocrites, and what was the hypocrite was they were doing that to be seen of men. Okay? And when you pray, you shall not be as the hypocrites, for they love to stand and pray in the synagogues and in the corners of the streets that they may be seen of men. Verily I say unto you, they have received their reward. They're seen of men. Lifted up of men. But thou, when thou prayest, enter into thine chamber. And having shut the door, pray to the Father who is in secret. And the Father who sees in secret shall recompense thee or reward thee. And in praying, use not vain repetitions as the Gentiles do, for they think that they shall be heard for their much speaking. Be not therefore like unto them, for, for your Father knoweth what things you have need of before you ask Him. After this manner, therefore pray ye. Listen to this. After this manner, pray. Our Father who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done, as in heaven, so on earth. As it is in heaven, so on earth. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our debts, as we also forgive our debtors. And bring us not into temptation, but deliver us from the evil one. For if you forgive men their trespasses, your heavenly Father will also forgive you. But if you forgive not men their trespasses, neither will your Father forgive your trespasses. So these, these are just principles of God's kingdom. I told you this morning there's principles in the kingdom of God. Now this isn't even an old covenant. This is in the kingdom of God. This is principles of God's kingdom. That if I don't forgive those, then God's forgiveness is going to be shut up to me. Just kind of like He shut up the heavens to, to the natural Israel. He's going to shut up the peace, joy, righteousness Absolutely. to us. So, so it's, it's a principle to understand. I don't want to go too far down this this morning. I'm sure we're going to get into to more meat of these things as time goes on. But Jesus is setting forth how to pray. First off, you recognize who your Father is. If you're born again, your Father's God. Okay. 
So your relationship is with your heavenly Father out of new birth. Alright? And pray, Thy kingdom come, Thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. And, and evidently, getting daily bread has something to do with kingdom, the kingdom coming. Give us this day our daily bread. And forgive us our debt. So that, that daily bread is necessary in understanding the kingdom. Yeah. Now, now flip over to, I think, I think I want to go to chapter 7, I believe. But let me see. I got this part in my notes. Verse 25. Actually, 6. He says, Therefore, chapter 6, 25, Therefore I say unto you, Be not anxious for your life, what you shall eat or what you shall drink, nor yet for your body what you shall put on. Is not the life more than food and the body than raiment? Behold the birds of the heaven, that they sow not, neither do they reap, nor gather into barns, and your heavenly Father feedeth them, and are you not are not you of much more value than they? Listen to that. Absolutely. And which of you, by being anxious, can add one cubit unto the measure of his life? And why are you anxious concerning raiment or clothing? Consider the lilies of the field, how they grow. They toil not, neither do they spin. Yet I say unto you that even Solomon in all his glory was not arrayed like one of these. And, and you, could, you could only in your mind consider how Solomon was probably arrayed. Was, no, with Matthew 6. Matthew 6, yeah. yeah. So Solomon was arrayed. He, 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 you know, there had never been no king like him up until that time. So, so as far as natural uh, glory, natural clothing, natural uh, things... And here Jesus is saying, well, even, you know, the grass in the field is arrayed better. But he goes on to say, but if God so clothed the grass of the field, which today is and tomorrow is cast into the oven, shall he not much more clothe you, O ye of little faith? Be not therefore anxious, saying, what shall we eat, or what shall we drink, or wherewithal shall we be clothed? For after all these things do the Gentiles seek. For your heavenly Father knows that you have need of these things. So he knows you have need. But seek, what did he say to seek first? The kingdom of God. I, I mean, I, mean I, I don't know that we see how powerful this is when Jesus told them to pray. What did he say pray? Our Father which art in heaven, thy, hallowed be, thy kingdom come, thy will be done. And here, when Jesus is addressing them here, it's out of the same discourse. Seek first. So preeminence. Give preeminence to God's kingdom and His righteousness and all these things. So all these things up here that you have need of, He'll add to you. Be not therefore anxious for tomorrow, for tomorrow will be anxious for itself. Sufficient unto the day is the evil thereof. So, so Jesus is setting forth the kingdom. If you will study your Bible closely, you will see Jesus preached the kingdom of God. If there's anything we may have missed, 
is preaching the kingdom of God. Maybe. See, see that's why in Ephesians 1 we set forth the, the power of the king that he's above all dominion, all rule, all authority, all thrones, all powers, all principalities. I don't care what powers they are. He's above them. And the beauty is, he says, you're attached to him. You're his body. You're the body of him that's above all these things. So if we come into right thinking, we may experience it. If we continue in bad thinking, we probably won't. Doesn't make it untrue because what he what he did is true. It's just not real in me and you. Okay. So 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 what God has to do is cleanse our minds from bad thinking because we don't think according to, to a lot of times according to just the simplicity of this. Our Father, which art in heaven. A lot of times we, when we approach God, do we approach Him as Father? Do we even consider Him as Father? You, you, you know, a lot of times we approach Him as Lord, or we approach Him as this, or we approach Him as that. Father means a father-son, a, a child relationship. That you're coming to Him, that you're... I don't like to use this word, but I'm going to use it. That's your daddy. Really? You're coming to him that's birthed you. So, so you're approaching your father. And when you approach your father, you're, you're saying, Hey, dad, I want your will. Not your, your kingdom come, your will be done. Because on earth as it is in heaven. Why on earth? Because the earth is whose? The Lord's. So why do I want His will to come? Because the earth belongs to Him. It doesn't belong to anyone else. It belongs to the Lord. So, so we come in that reality. Now, when Jesus come on the scene, He came preaching the kingdom of God. That's what he came preaching, the kingdom of God. And 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 just to mention, I don't know if I could go I, I, I know I can't get into all my notes, I got way too many. But to mention this, when Jesus come into places and and he dealt with them, what 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 did he do? He showed the power of the kingdom of God. What do I mean? He healed the sick. He cast out devils. He showed that the kingdom of God had authority over the kingdom of darkness. So when Jesus came on the scene, there was right there in His midst the kingdom of God and the kingdom of darkness. It became evident. As soon as He went into the wilderness and came back, uh, what, what happened? He, there was an encounter with the kingdom of God. 
You realize that. They, they were immediately, the people there in Jesus' day, when He walked the shores of Galilee, come to Capernaum and the different places, he was immediately, they were immediately encountering the kingdom of God. Go to Luke 4, for example. In, start at verse 31. Luke 4, 31. He says, And he came down to Capernaum. And this, this really makes it powerful when he, says, when he says, Woe to Capernaum later on. Makes that really powerful when you tie it together. He came down to Capernaum, a city of Galilee, and he was teaching them on the Sabbath day, and they were astonished at his teaching, for his word was with authority. So he wasn't telling them, I suppose this is what's going to be. He was telling them this beat. It was with authority. And in the synagogue there was a man that had a spirit of an unclean demon. And he cried out with a loud voice, Ah, what have we to do with thee, Jesus thou Nazarene? Art thou come to destroy us? I know thee who thou art, the Holy One of God. And Jesus rebuked him, saying, Hold thy peace and come out of him. And when the demon had thrown him down in the midst, he came out of him, having done him no hurt. And amazement came upon all. And they spake together one with another, saying, What is this word? For with authority and power he commanded the unclean spirits, and they came out. And there went forth a rumor concerning him into every place of the region round about. And he rose up in the synagogue and entered into the house of Simon. And Simon's wife's mother was holding with a great fever. And they brought him, besought him for her. And he stood over her and he rebuked the fever. <laughs> Pretty powerful, ain't it? Yeah. He rebuked it. And it left her. And what did the fever do? It left her. And immediately she rose up and ministered unto them. And when the sun was setting, all they that had any sick with divers diseases brought him unto them. And he laid his hands on every one of them and he healed them. And the demons also came out from many, crying and saying, Thou art the Son of God. And rebuking them, he suffered them not to speak because they knew that he was the Christ. And when it was day... He came out and went into a desert place, and the multitude sought after him. He came and came unto him, and would have stayed with him that he should not go from them. But he said unto them, I must preach the good tidings of the kingdom of God to other cities also. So he come declaring the kingdom of God. That's what he come declaring. And. He come there in power of the Spirit. If you'll go back and read this and read real carefully, like I said, I probably need to take almost everything I put together here and break them down as just a session. And maybe I will. Because it's too much. I'm ready to move on, Waverly, but I can't get through the beginning stages of it, right? 
when Jesus came out and began to encounter people, he came out, the Bible says, in the power of the Spirit. Now, what did that mean he came out in the power of the Spirit? The devil came and tempted Jesus. Okay? And when the devil came and tempted Jesus, Jesus overcome every temptation. So he walked out in the power of the Spirit. Probably, probably something in that that speaks volumes to us. So when he, was, when he was tested of the devil, he didn't fall because he was. He was, he was tried of the devil, tested of the devil, however you want to, to arrange those words. That happened. And he never succumbed to Satan. So when he come forth, he came forth when he began to minister in authority and power of the Spirit of God. So he never come forth supposing it to be. He come forth knowing the kingdom of God, exerting the kingdom of God, sharing the kingdom of God. And his ministry was based upon the kingdom of God. It was the gospel, the good news of the kingdom. What was the good news? Well, Luke 4 tells you that he, 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 the, the Spirit of the Lord is upon me. Here's the good news. He's anointed me to preach good tidings or good news to the poor. He has sent me to bring release to the captives and recovering of sight to the blind to set at liberty them that are bruised to proclaim this acceptable year of the Lord. I think this is what we miss, folks. This was His charge. And it's even Jesus' charge when He raised from the dead. And he said, go into all nations, making disciples of men. What does that mean, go into all nations? Go preach the acceptable year of the Lord. Go tell them the kingdom of God has come, and the kingdom of God is coming to you. That's what he said. If he cast out devils through the Spirit of God, then the kingdom of God has come unto you. So the first thing to know, Jesus showed the kingdom of God. Not only did Jesus show it, so did Peter and so did Paul. See, they didn't have this, this watered-down ministry. If you read the letters of Peter and the Acts of the Apostles and his spoke of the Apostles, Peter bore witness that God was with him. It was witnessed. It was witnessed through the works of God. Because, because, because these people that are bound in whatever condition they may be bound in, they're bound through the kingdom of darkness. Yeah. Right. What's going to release them? The kingdom of God. Yeah. See, see, you're under rule of, of authority. It's what, what it is. You're under the rule of one man or another man. Or we can say it, one spirit or another spirit. 
So there's a rule of darkness. So you, so you look around, and, and, and I don't understand everything. I, I'll, be, I'll be honest as I can be. I don't understand everything. So you look around and you say, why is all this sickness on the world? That has nothing to do with God. That has to do with the realm of darkness. So, so, so you, you, you know, in, in many places, those that were sick, if you read your Bible, and I say in every place, many places those that were sick were oppressed with, with the devil yeah. or a demon. Why can the rough of this what the Bible says? So to speak. We, we can receive it or not. I said this, you, you know, a lot, a lot of times, in, 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 and I've dealt with conditions myself, so, so this doesn't make me free of we, we We see someone, a lot of, there's a lot of schizophrenia in the world, right? A lot of mental health. And Paul said, Paul may not call it schizophrenia. He may have called it a demon. And dealt with it through the power of the Spirit of God. But there was a reality in, in the Apostle Paul's life of the power of the Spirit of God. And see, see, I, I, I want to get into the sower and the seed today, but for time I may not be able to. It may have to be the next, next meeting. But for time, for the reality of the power of the Spirit of God has gotten taken away from the, many in the church. It's been removed. And I've known this for years. I've not known how to address it for years. But I've seen this for years. What are you going to do? Take the whole book of Acts and tear it out of your Bible and say it never existed? And, that's, and, that's, and I've said, make comments like that. Because if you read the book of Acts, they came in power and authority and demonstration of the Spirit wherever they went. Because the Spirit of God demonstrated through them that they were sent and this was God's kingdom. Amen. And see, I, see I, think, I think more than anything, people want a watered-down religion. Yeah. And, and, and it starts off slowly. Why I'm here today, who knows, okay? Just go with it. In, in, in Methodist church, and I, I haven't studied this in years, years ago, Methodist people were filled with the Holy Ghost speaking in tongues. And time went on. But guess what? It was gone. It's not necessary. Years ago, most assembly of God People were filled with the Holy Ghost. Time went on. What happened? Very few. Why? Because, because what, did people quit going to church? No. But there became a, I guess, a watered-down message. There's no need. I said this many times in my heart and to Brother Stanley. Here we are in this deep life teaching and I came through Pentecost and I came through 
being baptized in the Holy Ghost. I came through it myself, being filled with the Spirit and having the Spirit of God feel like lightning, thunder, power. All these words, I had a, a fire. And I don't talk about it. Every now and then I talk about it, but I don't talk about it that much. I was in a praise service years ago. And I was up on that side. I can remember in the building. The building was facing more this way, and I would have been on that side. And it was like I could see a cloud. Maybe the Lord was allowing me to see a cloud in there. And the praise service was so rich. And somewhere in the service, my inside being literally felt like it was burning up with fire. And this went on for, I don't know, 20, 30 minutes. It wasn't a... a one second experience that stopped and said, I might have felt it and I might not have. This man went on by the Spirit of God where, where he had inflamed me. And I walked out of there knowing, not that it, that it, you know, I wish I had the mindset that I didn't have to be in that building for it to happen, but I didn't have the mindset then. But I walked out of that meeting knowing I had encountered God, that I hadn't just come to a church service. I had had an encounter with the living God. That's what began to change me. Is not that that I not just that that I learned a teaching. I had encounters with God, and it was those encounters with. God that began to drive me to know there's something more than what I had heard. If I hadn't had the encounters with God, I'll be honest with you, I probably wouldn't have, wouldn't have pressed forward. But the encounters came through pressure. There was a pressing going on in my heart, a seeking of God to know Him. And through that seeking of God to know Him, there was a response back from God. Amen. It was working both ways. God was maybe God was working it the majority I thought it was, but there was a pressing nonetheless inside of me to encounter Him. I'm telling you, I come into about every meeting I went into. There was rarely a meeting I would come to that I hadn't been prayed up before I ever got there. Prayed up or read up before I ever got to the building. I was already prayed up. I didn't come in the building and get prayed up. I was already prayed up. I mean, I already sung an hour back then. So if we sung another hour, it didn't phase me because I was coming for an encounter with God. I believe every time I walked into the building, I was going to encounter the Lord. And if I didn't, I was highly disappointed. But that was what was going on in my life as a young man. I wanted to encounter God. I had felt the living, eternal God. And there was nothing going to stand in my way. Not family, not friends, not relationships. At, at that time in my life, I wish it was a little more like it now. How much time? Because, because there was a drive in me to know Him. 
yet, Bob. I just played it. And it worked. See, so nobody told me that nobody told me at that time in my life it wasn't necessary. And I believed it was necessary, and it worked. I mean, it worked. It was working in me, and it was working to bring a relationship that I would know this living God, that I would know this Jesus Christ, that He wouldn't just be somebody I would read in the book. But I would know His power. I would know His glory. And see, see if I keep preaching to you, and, and, and God knows I want to. I love preaching. But if I keep preaching to you, and you don't come to encounters with the Lord, I'm wasting your time. And you are too. And that's hard pill to swallow. Because God wants you to encounter Him. But you've got to want to. See, that's why He said, Seek you first. That's why Jesus said, 